Nancy, thank you so much for joining us. I'm really excited. And to my guests who are listening today, I want to tell you that I'm Nancy is someone I've known for a number of years. She is a huge community advocate. I'm going to let her tell you a little more about herself, but I think you'll notice from how she shares information, she has high energy, and I believe the word no doesn't really exist in her vocabulary. She is a force to be reckoned with. So Nancy, um, welcome, and if you would just share a little bit about yourself before we dive into the interview. Well, thank you, Sarah. Um, Sarah, I don't think no has always been part of my saying no has not always been part of my vocabulary. I uh, maybe I um, can go back a little bit. Um, I won't go all the way back, but um, I moved up to Reno, Nevada in 1979. I married um, a football player, and he was recruited to go to UNR. Um, and it was it was interesting. I think I was 21. Um, started the banking industry at that time, and it wasn't a good time. He was very abusive, so I lived in an abusive situation in my life for 16 years. And you know, it's really strange because it wasn't a cycle. It wasn't the way my life was when I was a child. But I think I lived in the era where um, you know, if a woman was good enough, they could do things to change things and please those that they loved. And um, for those that have been in abusive situations or uh, wonder why women stay in abusive situations, um, it wasn't finances. I could take care of myself. It was, I think, the feeling of obligation that I can do better and I can create change. And then um, I think it was a, a mental trap. And then I think about um, a little while later, I started, you know, started to realize, you know, what can I do to change things? Because as a youth, I was always outgoing, energetic always excited about things and so this 16 years was like a void in my life a black period and so I think I say that because I want women to believe that things don't have to continue that you can you can move out of those kind of situations you know that's really hard I mean that's very personal to share but what's interesting is when you talk to your, about yourself as a young as a, you know a teenager and a young girl that's actually how I experience you today, that energy and vivaciousness. Mm-hmm. So what happened that helped you get from there to the next stage, to the next transition? I don't know if I can put my finger on it. I, I always worked very hard at my job. I did a good job, and I think at one point, because my focus was on my job and my home life was so terrible, that's where I could excel. And so I wanted to advance. Somehow I wanted to advance from being a, um, you know, working in the teller line. But how could I move up the ladder? Um, it was a time when computers, laptops became, I'm mean, not laptops, but personal computers came into being. And I said, I want to get one of those and I want to learn. And I think I, I was um, right at the cusp in the beginning. And I think what it did for me was build confidence and the ability for me to express myself in a way, write uh, my biography, I mean, my resume and do things that I couldn't do before. And it was a great tool for me to move. I I was able to um, write a resume and apply for an in-house job in a way no one ever did it before. And I got the job. So it was my first entree to a leadership position. And I felt really good. I felt like, oh my God, 
I've got something going, and I felt good about it. I felt like I hadn't before. Even though my personal life was still not good, I felt like I was moving up. I had always been overlooked for advancement and and job opportunities, so it was kind of self-defeating that I thought I wasn't good enough. And when that happened, it it seemed to change my life. It seemed to give me the boost. And I think the message to me is that, you know, it's never too late. I think I was in my 40s, my late mid-40s. All these women in front of uh, that were my age were excelling, and I was still where I was at, but it was never too late. I started excelling at a, a later age, and I think I'm excelling more so than women my age are at the end of their career, or have I don't see them around anymore. That one thing about putting yourself out there, you could have said, you know what, that's for the younger newbies coming in, right? But you said, I want to learn that and do that, and that was the beginning, or at the front end of major change for how you viewed yourself. Mm-hmm. Whatever gave you the idea to do that? Did you have anybody championing you? No, I lived isolated. I hid the fact that I was abused. No one knew. I really didn't have friends, personal friends. Um, so that was a void because that wasn't um, you know something that I, I was afraid to do because if you live in an abusive situation, part of it is isolation. So... Um, when you think about that, you're no longer married to that person. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you went through your advancement, your career started feeling better, and then did you just decide to end your marriage? Well, it was it's sad to say, but it took um, him to have an affair for me to realize that it was okay <laughs> to get rid of him. And that's sad. Don't Don't ever feel like that. You can get rid of him before. <laughs> before. But it gave me validation for some reason that I had to have that, that he had done something other than what was happening um, that said, okay, now it's time. I was very strategic. I figured that um, I had to figure out a way to get out before because I was really fearful for my life. And so one day I called the movers and he was at work and everything was gone and I was gone. Not everything. I gave him half of everything. (laughs) Because that's the kind of gal you are. (laughs) I know. So, you know, now you're you're continuing, you're still very successful in your banking career and the work that you do in the community, and your role has been very connected to the community beyond being maybe what people think a typical banking role would be. That's been one of the things for me in knowing you is to see how different that role can be and the impact it has in the community. But the other thing that's impressive is what you have done and helped build here, specific to helping others, you know, and make sure they've got the financial resources and things they have to be able to have the lives, right, to live well um, or full. Do you want to talk a little bit about that and kind of your, because this is a big next thing in your life. Yeah, um, I I mean, I was doing really well in my career. I did get divorced, and I... um, You know, I worked in, I was a branch manager. I loved what I did. I looked at my job as um, not working for the company, but how can I help people financially? How could I get them in the right products? And I was always volunteering or part of the chamber in different areas. And then opportunity came when I was being recruited and um, Schwab Bank said, you know, we're looking for a branch manager to open our first bank branch. And I said, I'm not a broker. And they said, no, we're looking for a banker. And you know what? I didn't even look back. I thought, oh, this is exciting. And I, I realized that I, I am not afraid about going forward because 
the past wasn't great. I'm not, and you know what the heck, let's just move. And I had someone say to me, well, you know, this isn't a good time to make this kind of change. And, you know, I heard they're not doing real well. Why are you doing this? And I said, it sounds exciting. I need to do something different. And it was um, open a bank and be slash community development outreach. And then I got started at this job and I realized how much I love community outreach and how there was, you know, my 20 years of banking experience was really a great link to community development. I don't think I could be as good as I was Mm -hmm. without being in the private sector, understanding how financial institutions work and how they don't work for individuals. And so my passion has been how do we bring people, you know, how do we help them be financially secure? Not sell products, but what's the barriers? Why aren't they doing this? And a lot of other things. How do we help build a strong community? And I think, you know, I don't work directly with clients, but I love to see system changes that improve conditions for clients. And so how can I help with that? So give some examples, um, because it's only been a few short years since the new nonprofit got started, right? And um, that started as a partnership, but now it's on its own and doing great things. So talk a little bit about the work that you do there. My guess will be there will be people listening who either want to be a part of that work locally here or in their own community to find something similar or may want to come and be trained so they understand and can have the freedom in their lives that learning the financial pieces offer. Yeah, so as I was learning my new position in community development, um, I started um, going to conferences about how do we help build financial security for individuals that are lower income that haven't had the opportunity or have barriers in their lives. And so it's a full spectrum. I mean, what's proven is financial education by itself doesn't create behavior change. Um, it doesn't provide the tools for individuals. So one day I was in my office and Karen Barcel from the United Way called and said, Nancy, are, is our community ready to discuss what it would take to build financial security for everyone? And I said, yeah, let's go. And so there was a major convening, and the United Way was um, the champion and spearhead, and we had 100 thought thinkers come in the room. And it was all over the board. Anytime you do some sort of new initiative, it's all over the board. It's chaos. But the idea of this just stuck in my head. So uh, United Way created what they called the Financial Stability Partnership. And like I said, there was a lot of different things going on, but then it finally got focused down to you know, what are, what can we do? And we went to a conference and we heard about financial coaching. And so at that point, the United Way said, you guys, you guys have grown up a little. I think it's time for us to kick you out of the nest. Not that we don't want to support you. We still have an office at the United Way. So we created our own 501c3. And that was two years ago. Um, We've been working on this for nine years. And so this past year has been an incredible year of growth. And so what we're doing is helping to build the capacity in organizations to look at financial security as the way out of poverty or way out of um, situations that people can advance. Um, unless we give them the tools, no matter, you know, you can provide the Band-Aid, but this provides the tools. And so how do we financially empower? And so we went, to an or, uh, we went to a national conference, and they talked about financial coaching. And financial coaching is a lot different than credit counseling 
or casework where you prescribe and you dictate to people, this is what you need to do to get out of your situation. A coach says, what are your goals and aspirations? And you, achieve, you the person decide, says, this is my goal. I might want to have a savings account. So how do I start? And so you help that person to navigate the system, navigate how they're going to achieve that goal. And you don't do it for them. And it actually says that believe in people who have the capability and the, and, the, and the capacity to do things, but they sometimes need someone to help keep them on track. So now we're at the place where we are training financial coaches in the state of Nevada. Our goal is this year to train over 120 individuals. We see it as um, an opportunity for employment. We have people now calling away and saying, you know, we'd love to have financial coaching. Is there anyone available that can come and do that? So we will have people that are accredited and um, continue to get support from OA to build their skills that can go into their organizations and, you know, be hired to, to be coaches. Uh, we are, we've also seen where we're working with Northern Nevada Hopes, which is a, a financial health clinic. Well, we know that people that are in poverty have poor health. I mean, have poorer health than some than when you have money, right? So... What they're doing is very, very exciting. It's unique. It hasn't been done in the sense that when you go in to see your doctor and your doctor talks to you and you say, well, God, your blood pressure is really high and, you know, what's what's going on? Well, I'm going to get evicted or I lost my job or what's going on financially. And so he can refer now. They've opened a health uh, financial wellness clinic where they have a coach. So they now can use that. They can prescribe in-house a place where their people can go and talk about where their financial issues are and have the coach help them identify areas where they can release the stress. There's no easy quick fix. Some of these issues are really big. But as we're out there and we start learning, what are the barriers? What is keeping people from financial security? OA now has a policy arm. So let's say, you know, you're not saving because... TANF says you can't have more than 6000 in a savings account. Well, we know that people on TANF, probably that's a really high goal to aspire. But just knowing they have a limit is confusing. And so they say, well, I can't save any money because they're going to take it from me. So, you know, one of the solutions may be remove the asset limit. Because when you're on TANF, you only have 60 months to move out of poverty. And let's, let's get that safety net, that savings account. So when you do move out, you have something to fall back on. So... It's a whole continuum, and it's very exciting. I'm real excited and proud of where Opportunity Alliance Nevada is and where it's going to go. Um, we will be now offering financial coaching not just in the Reno market, but in the Las Vegas market. We hope to attract. We have people in Ely that are financial coaches. We have Gardnerville. We have Las Vegas. We have Henderson. We have coaches all over the state, but the goal is to build that. If a coach coaches and as an active coach, we figure there's probably going to be a 50 to 70% of those that go through the training that will actively participate. But we figure if we have 120 coaches per year for three years, they coach five people, three sessions, that we're talking about 10,000 sessions, 10,000 people a year that will be financially coached. And so we see it as a systemic change in the way we address financial security and helping other lower income individuals to know that they're empowered and that there are support systems to help them achieve their goals. That's amazing. And, you know, I remember as you're speaking about that, I mean, I remember being in my early 20s and 
thinking that, I mean, I look back now and I thought my $2,000 debt that I was trying to pay down was like insurmountable. I mean, and it was big for me at that time. And I remember somebody saying, you're looking at it, you're looking at the net the wrong way. Look mm-hmm. at it this way. And all of a sudden I went, I can do that, right? Mm-hmm. But it wasn't until that person, and they kind of did that same, like, what are you trying to do here? Then this would be the way to approach it. And I will be here to help you, but not. But they wouldn't do it for me, right? Before we leave, talking about Opportunity Alliance, and I get really excited about that because I've had the good fortune to meet your board and some of the volunteers. For people who are listening, they say, I want to know more about how I can get involved either for myself or to learn, or we don't have anything like that in our community, and how do I even think about approaching people to talk about it? What would you suggest to them? What kind of way would you ask them to get a hold of you or in, you know get more involved? Well, we've had people from out of state come to our training. Um, we, are, we, we didn't create our own training. Central New Mexico Community College um, has created and is nationally known for their accredited program. We were really excited because we had brought them in to do training, and we kept saying, can we? It was very expensive to do. Can we? Can you train us? Can we buy a license? And that wasn't available. We started looking at creating our own program, and they came to us. We're ready to license. We were. We are the first licensed um, organization in the United States to have the training. And we had in the first training we did as a licensee, we had uh, five people come from across the country. So you can always come to our trainings, but you can also look up Central New Mexico because there are other. They are starting to license throughout the country. Some of them aren't um, like us, where they're open to you know you can you can register and pay a fee to do the training. Some of them are more specific to their organization, larger organizations that are doing it in house, so they want the license, but. Um, there are opportunities, and what we like about Central New Mexico, it's an accredited program, and it, and, um, it can qualify for CEUs, and there are some standards um, involved. So, so, yeah, you can be involved. You can look at OpportunityAllianceNevada.org. Um, we'll have a lot of information about financial coaching. The really exciting thing about this is we're not just going to train you to be coaches. We're going to provide a support system around you as a coach, so you can be better skilled at your at your at what you do. So you have someone that goes; they want to become part of the OA network. There are uh, quarterly, um, no, every other month meetings where coaches will get together and network, and um, there will be a topic of discussion. We have a master coach that's available to mentor our coaches one on one, so they become better at our skills. And we plan on having an annual symposium or summit for our coaches to continue to gain their skills and build their um, their field. We feel it's a field. I feel it as if you're a social worker, I believe that this is a skill that you're going to want to have. I believe if we do a good enough job, someone that's hiring you could say, do you have coaching um, skills? We have had people go to the training and say, oh, my God, it's not just the financial piece, this coaching skills can help me with my clients and the way they eat, their other behaviors. Um, so I look at it bigger. I don't look at it as a separate piece. I see it as an integrated piece. Anything you're doing, we have um, a financial consultant on our board, but he's very passionate about helping others, regardless of income, to acquire assets. He went through the training. 
And he says, now I'm using it on my middle-class clients. He says, I'm approaching the way I do financial consultant with my clients in a different manner that's more impactful and and effective. We have one of our first coaches is at the University of Nevada, um, Reno, and she is in the financial aid department. She has coached over 100 students in the last year and has having a tremendous impact on these youth. She had one student come in. This is real exciting for a parent that says, I don't want to be dependent on my parents' money while I'm going to school. I want to be independent. And so she helped guide her on how she could achieve that independence. She had one other person that said, I'm in so much debt. And she looked at the debt. Now, this is coaching. She said, you're paying three automobile payments. Yes, I'm paying my son and my daughters and my automobile payment. What would you normally say? You would say, you shouldn't be paying your daughters and your son. But to her, it's cultural and it's important. And so the coach would say, okay, let's look at this and how you can crack that nut and not change what's important to you. So that's the difference between coaching. If you're a consultant and a financial planner, you would say, stop that. Well, that's not that person's goal. And so we've got coaches and all, we've got small business financial coaches. We have coaches that are working inside of employers. So it is not, it is the full spectrum and it is changing lives. That's amazing. And you know what? I'm going to have you come back another time and talk. And but I'm going to wait for a couple of months till you're a little further down the road. On this I'm going to have you come back and talk about your work in affordable housing. <laughs> of all of this, is there a key life lesson that you take from this, or some some takeaway from you well, on your own path? I, I'm just thinking. You know, I think everyone has to decide what they love and their personality. Uh, I have to tell you, this is really interesting. Charles Schwab, where I work, is um, uses strength finders. And I took that test. I have five strengths. And every single one of those strengths is, it, is what I'm doing today. And I'm sitting there, oh, my goodness. It, I don't know how it happened, but this is the perfect position and job for me to excel at what I'm doing. So me being this way and doing what I'm doing, um, everyone has to find, you know, whether it's, you like doing research and you're an introvert and you do not want to get out and, and put yourself out there and change the world. My personality allows for this type of risk taking. So you need to look at your personality and identify what your strengths are and what you're comfortable with. And I believe you can excel in that. I'm the type of person that doesn't have to analyze everything before I get into it. I figure it out as I go. But you may be someone that has to do that differently. Then you need a different type of of work that you can excel in that leverages your strengths. I've just got a couple last questions I want to ask you. Knowing what you know today, if you were to sit down and have coffee with the Nancy that was 10, 11, 12, or 13... What advice would you give her knowing what lays ahead of her in her life? I think it was the journey that I had to take. I mean, I wish I had more self-confidence in myself to pull myself out of where I was. But you know what? I don't know if I, if I didn't do that journey, I don't think I would be where I am today. And I love where I am today. And so even though it was 16 years where people would say I lost 16 years of my life, I wouldn't be the person I am now without those 16 years. So I don't know what that advice would be. But I, I have had someone come to me and say, you know, I'm, I'm not where I want to be on my goals. And I said, well, you know, sometimes life 
doesn't take you to your goals the where you want to be at what time you want to be and that's okay you know you, you have to be patient with yourself it, it may be a you want thought you were going to go right and now you're going left that's okay so that is a big piece of advice for our no labels no limits listeners right it's like sometimes your goals don't show up in the way you think or on mm-hmm. the timing yeah right i mean my husband says too bad we didn't meet 30 years ago we've been married just 10 years and i said yeah but it wouldn't be what it is today my husband said that too and i said i don't think i would have liked you 30 years ago right? <laughs> because i'm not the person no right no. we're very different and but I, that's so true nancy you know that you we're just we evolve and you have to be forgiving you have to say, not say that it was a waste of time it may have been ugly it may have been bad but how how is it going to make you a better person and and no regrets well, and you certainly can empathize and see things differently than someone who'd never been in that position can see them, right? Mm-hmm. You can go, that's not the whole story. You don't know the whole story. But I think all of us have been through that. We right. just, you know, we don't want everyone to know our skeletons in our closets, right? So we've all been through challenges, but we just have to let them go and move forward. I guess in the last thing I would ask you is if someone wants to reach out to you, and learn more about you as a professional woman or the work that you're doing, where would you most like them to, to find you? Um, you can email me. Okay. And I can give you my work email because it, I don't have time for my social email. <laughs> we'll add that in the, um, I'll put that in the show notes, in the links for people. Um, but why don't you just say what it is so in um, case it, someone doesn't go to the notes. It's nancy.e.brown at schwabbank.com. And if you want to call me, that's I'm happy to take phone calls. 775-544-9891. I think it's my age. I pick up a phone. <laughs> well, it is one way of reaching people. <laughs> hey, they answer the phone. And they're, I've had someone say, you're the only person that ever calls me. <laughs> Thank you again for taking time out of your day. This is really special for me. And um, I just so appreciate how you show up in the world. As I said before we started, I do learn from you and take away from you when we interact. So, Well, I learn from you too, and that is such a, um, a compliment. Thank you. You're welcome. So that's it for this week's episode. If you like what you heard, please hop on over to iTunes or wherever else you listen to the podcast and leave us a rating and review. This helps us get the word out to more people just like you who want to live a no-labels, no-limits life. Thanks, and we'll see you next week.